Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me as a special guest co-host this week, as Langston is on vacation, uh, is the Auburn beat reporter for the Opelika Auburn News, Justin Lee. How you doing, Justin? What's up, Rumi? <laughs> yes, for, for, for those who don't know, for the three or four people listening who actually have followed Justin and my careers beyond the SEC... Justin and I did work together in Odessa for three years, Odessa, Texas, where Friday Night Lights happened, uh, and he dealt with more of my crap than probably anybody who's not related to me or dated me ever has. So he We're was, living the dream. Yeah. Living the dream in Odessa, Texas. The house. And, and uh, what, 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 when, the, go on. The L.A. Frat House. There were four of us who all worked there, living there. Yes. Uh, three sports reporters and a photographer all living together. Nothing ever went wrong, and I had several pets. It was it, it was it was a nice, clean, fun time. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but but before we get into the, the meat of the SEC stuff, just kind of Justin, just give a background to who you are, and uh, you know, just everywhere everybody can find you on social media if they like how, everything you're saying in this episode. Well, they're not gonna like what I'm saying, but uh, by Justin Lee on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we're for the Black Auburn News. It was weird. I'm from Alabama. We went to Texas. You were from Maryland. Correct. You went to Texas. And Jake was from Alabama, went to Texas. And then Royal's from South Dakota. Right. So we had all that. And then Jake went to Washington State. Yeah, he's in Ellensburg, Washington and, now, yeah. And now you're, you're in Missouri and I'm at Auburn. And Royal's still in Texas. But we, we basically have the whole U.S. map covered. Yeah, it was weird. Like when I was thinking about my introduction, actually to the SEC, I lived with an Auburn grad and an Alabama grad, and that was kind of just my way of being turned on to SEC football in a major way that I didn't even realize. So, like when I thought about when I started getting this job, like, well, what do I know about the SEC? I, I was I was thinking of you know his name is escaping me right now. Um, is it Will Franklin, the Auburn quarterback? Will something? I'm completely messing. It, who's now a cornerback in the CFL? Oh, Nick Marshall, dude. Nick Marshall. Well, who's oh John Franklin's? Who I'm thinking of who is no John Franklin III was the uh, he was the guy on uh, uh, Last Chance You that right. I combined two completely different that, people who's that we binged yeah. uh, we binged that in the house. Right, we did. So yeah, Nick Marshall. <laughs> I was like thinking, okay, Nick Marshall was the guy because obviously we knew who Cam Newton was when Auburn happened, and there's actually a lot of Mizzou connections to that 2010 Auburn team, but. Um, just when I thought about it, it's like, wow, I, I've watched a ton of Alabama football and Auburn football for three years just because you every Saturday was like you cared, you cared more about that than you really did the NFL to be completely. Yeah, I mean, well, like for us, like the Iron Bowl is just like a holiday because it was supposed to be like it's, you're supposed to watch it and it's supposed to be a big deal. I only watched like five Auburn games. When I was gone, but it was every Iron Bowl, especially because Jake was there. Right, and I remember it was the you watched. I think it was the Peach Bowl against UCF in 2018. It was, I think it was the, uh, the SEC championship game against Georgia. 
uh, a couple of those I remember, and then I, I don't remember at all because apparently when we lived together, Auburn played at Mizzou in 2017. I remember, uh, I remember the uh, when uh, Leonard Fournette gave the Auburn kid an attitude adjustment. We watched that game. I do remember that too. Yeah, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, Leonard Fournette <laughs> at, at LSU. Yes, and you, you got to cover a little bit of Texas Tech football while you were in in Odessa, and now you're. I think you got to cover a little, little Patty Mahomes. Yeah, Pat- that's what we did. That's where I was going with that. Patrick Mahomes, who now is the beloved of every person in the state of Missouri. Uh, yeah. And he's from Texas, went to Texas Tech, saw him. So basically, his entire career has been two hours away from where I've been writing now that I'm in Columbia and he's in Kansas City, which I'm sure was completely. Oh, there you go. You're just, yeah. You're just, yeah. You're just, just destined, you know, greatness yeah. ties to each other. Could completely. Like a magnet. Yeah. Completely by design, that absolutely happened. Andy Reid drafted him in 2018, knowing I'd come here. Now, uh, anyway, no, but uh, so Justin does cover uh, Auburn, and I believe covered it a little bit for either Bleacher Report or a couple other papers while in college, and then now we're yeah, yeah, yeah. the paper in Opelika in Auburn uh, to yes. cover them now. But actually, back to the kind of the news of the week here. Um, I kind of had Justin on not only just because he's my friend and because. Um, he could talk about SEC football, but I was almost certain just from either a writer's perspective or whatever that Auburn was going to be one of the two teams Missouri would play when they added games this season should the season happen, and that's a whole different discussion we need to have, but it didn't end up Yeah, we thought they'd, we thought they'd uh, just bump up the schedule, right. like what they had rotated, and but then they're like, no, we did this out of fairness. So then it's like, oh, so the rotation wasn't fair? What, what are we talking about? I, I don't, I mean, <laughs> None of it makes any sense. Right. Here's the weird thing is that if you add the rotation from Mizzou, it was going to be A&M and Auburn, and they're going to be playing two ranked teams anyway. But they added the two other ranked teams and getting Alabama and LSU. To the yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, honestly, in, in year one for Eli Drinkwitz anyway, like he had three practices in person and has spent the entire time installing his offense over Zoom. I think he kind of gets a free pass in 2020 anyway. <laughs> So like yeah, he's got a little honeymoon period. And plus, Drinkwitz is his advances in recruiting, which are which which is pretty continuous. You know, he has a top thirty class, which is very good in the first year for Mizzou. So when you when you look at that, and I mean, just knowing that you cover these teams in the West, I mean, knowing how things look from that kind of the side of perspective, I mean, do you see Mizzou maybe even being a, a three win team, four win team at best, Justin this year? Or how, and then how do you see Auburn season going? Oh gosh! I, well, I mean, it's it's possible to play through a tough schedule. I mean, Auburn does it every year. I mean, last year, last year Auburn's schedule was ridiculous. You know, they played Georgia cross division every year. Last year they played at Florida, played in the swamp. Um, you know, no one's got to do what Auburn does year in and year out. Uh, Texas A&M is pretty, has it pretty tough too because they're in the in the same boat as far as the West, which is so ridiculous. But I mean, a lot of times what you'll find is that if you go through the blender, you can be good at the end of it because of it. That's what happened to Auburn last year when they won the Iron Bowl at the end of the year. You know, it's because they were battle tested. They played at. LSU. They played Joe Burrow in Death Valley and almost beat them. Played uh, played in the swamp and took their lumps. Like they lost those games. Um, and obviously, but you know, at the end of the season, uh, when they played Alabama, they 
got their win finally, but it's I think a lot of that was a product of being battle tested. So I mean, honestly, you, you're thinking about Drinkwitz and like your first season. Um, if this thing can get played, um, all of it's going to be a wash anyway because of the virus. As far as expectations go, uh, if you get this thing played and you play these games, you know you could you could come out of it for the better for for the experience of having played LSU and Alabama. I know that's not how you want to think. You you know they're your colleagues. You want to think you're on that level already but um realistically i think you can understand you know lsu and alabama are at a at a another level and uh i think there's something to learn from them well you have to look at mizzou's schedule last year and the fact that they played two ranked teams the entire year and they went six and six like you know there's something to be said of why you have a first year head coach now as opposed to you know all of that so yes i think it's pretty understandable that there's just different levels of the sec whatever Advancements Mizzou had made in the first half of last year, going five and one, which should have been six and zero, oh, kind of were all lost at the end of last year. So I think, at the end of the day, as much excitement as there is in Columbia about Drinkwitz, he's still zero and zero as a head football coach in the SEC. And sure. uh, there, there's something to be said about that. And I, and one of the things that was kind of cool, and we touched on this a little earlier, was there's a ton of actually Auburn connections on the Mizzou staff. I believe it was Curtis Luther right. was the running backs coach of the year that Cam Newton, and then. Casey was. Woods, Eric Link, and Eli Drinkwitz were all GAs on that staff. I mean, just were you? Yep. I, I I know you were at least a student at Auburn then, but I don't know if you, how invested you were in covering that team. Do you have any memories of the four of them at all? Uh, yeah, Curtis Looper. Curtis Looper was pretty prominent. Um, gosh, I was just a sophomore then. I was, I was young, but uh, yeah, Looper, Looper was prominent. The others were, uh, you know, GAs. They weren't really seen as much. Looper was a running backs coach. Um, but like, yeah, like we know Drinkwitz. He was, uh, I think, kind of the, these last couple of years. Auburn's had uh, offensive coordinator openings, and uh, he, he came up both times uh, when they hired uh, Kenny Dillingham for 2018, and then when they hired or for 2019, and then when they hired uh, Chad Morris for here for 2020. Uh, so his name's coming up around here. He's, he's kind of, you know, I think Gus likes to claim him as part of his coaching tree, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, and mistake me if I'm wrong, but, I, I mean, Drinkwitz's career really wouldn't have taken off the way it would without Gene Chizik and Gus Malzahn. I mean, didn't Malzahn, wasn't he off the offensive coordinator on that 2010 staff? Yes. Went to Arkansas State, then came back? Yes. And that so, was, yes. And then, and so Drinkwitz went to him to Arkansas State, didn't he? Yeah, no? he, he, followed him to, yeah. he followed him to Jonesboro for two years. Then Brian Harson became the head coach in Arkansas State, and he followed Brian Harson to Boise. Then he, sure. went, then he went to NC State and then Appalachia, and now he's in the Holy Land of Mizzou. Yes. Right. So he went from, so he was with Gus at Auburn uh, from, Gus was at Auburn for 2009, 2010, 2011, and then left for 2012. 2012 is when Gene Chizik stunk it up and got fired mm-hmm. and then 2013 gus came right back right. so it was one year so, yeah drink was only came in for that 2010 season and that's why and that's why like i think i said a couple weeks ago on on the podcast like it just makes too much sense you know for them not to play auburn like <laughs> right just this year where he started his career a decade later now that he's a head coach going from a, a high school offensive coordinator to a ga and now a decade later he's the head coach of an sec team it's crazy i mean Drinkwitz, sure Drinkwitz is only, i mean it seems old kind of i guess to us but he's only 37 he's the youngest head coach in the sec so yeah no that's crazy it, it's crazy from going from in 11 years high school at springdale arkansas and springdale arkansas yeah. high school offensive coordinator to head coach of an sec school that's just nuts yeah well you know gus and chad you know the, the that crew they're all kindred spirits because they love 
where they came from high school football and just uh they're just kind of doing the same thing at the next level you know what i mean it's not it's not nfl junior to them you know what i mean it's uh they're you know interscholastic athletics is their deal for sure and i think Drinkwitz is very much the same way and he's kind of built his staff just of past connections whether it be people from app or auburn or you know, he worked. I think one of the only people who really didn't have a true connection with was Bush Hamden. He used to be, who was the offensive coordinator last year, I think, under Chris Peterson at Washington. And now he's the wide receivers coach at Mizzou. But anyway, going on, and I don't want to cut Justin off any longer because he's providing a lot of great information here. But I don't want to forget we do have a special guest this week on the podcast. In addition to the special, special co host, and Justin, I interviewed Glenn Gilbo of the. Uh, USA Today Network LSU beat writer so I just don't want to forget to play the interview for you guys so here is my interview with Glenn Gilbo Joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the LSU beat writer for the USA Today Network Glenn Gilbo how you doing Glenn? Good evening how are you? Good good we're, we're recording this kind of within the hour of the SEC decision to you know, add not only LSU, but Alabama to Missouri's schedule this year. Uh, when you saw kind of the reaction, it looked like kind of the report came out of Baton Rouge a little before the announcement that it was going to be Missouri at home and then Vanderbilt on the road for you guys. Kind of walk me through how kind of you reacted to that and what, what your thoughts are going forward for LSU. Well, I think LSU definitely drew, uh, you know, uh, kind of a light schedule when you when you when you get to go to Vanderbilt, which was – Three and nine and one and seven last year, and they just went there last year. And uh, you know, Missouri was not a contender. They were six and six last season. So I think LSU fans are pretty happy uh, with the schedule. Uh, you know, they didn't get Georgia, which some people uh, see. I was a little upset because I was hoping LSU would go to Missouri, where they've never played football. I went to Missouri, and I, I was hoping the SEC would, would would schedule some of the games that have been rare, rarely played. Like, there's several of them. Uh, Georgia has never played at Texas A&M, for example. But uh, they they didn't do that. They 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 went all on strength of schedule of the original schedule this season, and I think they looked at strength of schedule last season too. Yeah, I got, I got to agree with you there. With Missouri's draw, they had probably the two worst teams in the West already on the schedule, home against Arkansas, and then on the road at Mississippi State. They add Alabama coming to Columbia and going to Baton Rouge, as we mentioned, against LSU. You know, and you mentioned you were a Missouri grad, so just, you know, kind of, you know, we'll get back to the schedule in a minute, but kind of walk me through just how you've kind of viewed Missouri football over the years, going to the school and now covering another school in the SEC. Well, I think I know how the SEC views Missouri by the schedule giving them Alabama and LSU, uh, you know, they, they see Missouri as, as a as a pledge, you know, to the SEC still, uh, you know, still a newbie to the league and, and probably the most non-SEC school in the SEC. I mean, you know, I was at Missouri when they were pretty good at football. Uh, Warren Powers was the coach, and they, they beat Oklahoma when I was there, um, and they played Nebraska pretty well. You know, Powers had a big win over Notre Dame early in his career there. Uh, when I was in school in Missouri, it was seen as an up-and-coming program. Uh, and then, of course, they got very good under Larry Smith and then then uh, briefly 
and then they they were great under the uh, the coach who who retired a couple of years ago. His name escapes me at the moment. Gary Pinkle. Yeah. Right, right. A fr- old friend of Nick Saban, the, the former LSU coach. I mean, Missouri was really good as they came in to the league, but they've obviously dropped a little bit since then. But uh, I mean, they're like a lot of schools in the SEC. They're kind of in the middle of the pack with a, with a chance to be better. But um, you know, this this schedule does not does not help them. You know, you you, you play in two of the best teams in the league uh, historically the last several years and definitely last year. Maybe two of the best teams in the country. You get rid of Clemson, Ohio State. You know, there's not too many right after those two before you get to LSU and Alabama. Um, just uh, remind me if I'm wrong, how, how long have you been on the uh, LSU beat? Well, actually, I've been covering LSU for the most part since I graduated from Missouri in 1983. Um okay. And uh, I did cover Alabama briefly at the Montgomery paper and it's later at the Mobile paper, and I covered Auburn over there. So I worked at Alabama a couple of times uh, in the 90s and 80s. But for the most part, I've covered LSU my whole career. I believe I'm right saying that either his first win at LSU or the first win at home at LSU at Orgeron was over Missouri. Ed Orgeron's first win as, as head football coach at LSU, he was an interim coach at the time, was was in 2016 at home against Missouri. Um, LSU was 2-2 two and two at the time. They had just lost at Auburn, and Les Miles got fired the next morning. And then Missouri came in, and, and uh, LSU really opened up the offense in, in that game. Uh, so, yeah, they just, they just hosted Missouri not long ago. That's why I thought – it would be cool to, to play at Missouri, uh, you know, where LSU has never played. LSU and Missouri have only played twice. The, the, the game we just talked about, and they played in the 78 Liberty Bowl when Phil Bradley was uh, Missouri's quarterback, great athlete, you know, played professional baseball with the Baltimore Orioles. But, um, you know, I, I just thought LSU fans would love a trip to Columbia because it, it's really one of the classic uh, college towns, I think. Right. And, I mean, we still got to kind of keep in mind here, this decision gets, you know, fans excited. But we're no closer to actually playing football with the coronavirus pandemic than we were before this announcement. There's just a plan of a plan going forward, and we still don't know any of the dates or anything like that. Uh, Correct. It's just kind of looking – obviously, LSU had a phenomenal season last year, no no doubt about it. Losing the likes of, you know, Joe Burrow and – you know, other people like that. They lost uh, Thaddeus Moss, I believe, is no longer on the team. And a couple other uh, – Justin Jefferson would be another one, correct? All those players. Uh, the, uh, you return Derek Stingley, uh, you know, Jacoby Stevens, and a couple other guys. Kind of walk you through how the roster has evolved since the title game against Clemson to right now and what Missouri fans expect for that game in Baton Rouge. Well, LSU lost, you know, a generational quarterback, um, clearly the best quarterback they've ever had, and they haven't had a lot of good quarterbacks at LSU. And, you know, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks ever to play college. Um, So that's going to be no easy replacement. And and Miles Brennan has not played in a game, you know, at a significant time in a game when the game was in doubt at all since 2017 when he threw a critical interception to lose to Troy. Uh, and he's been a backup since then. He wasn't a big-time recruit. He was signed by Les Miles, actually, 
so there's a lot of question, a lot of question marks uh, around him. But the defense is still going to be really good. They can return Derek Stingley Jr. Will be a sophomore. Probably would have been a first round pick, you know, uh, if, if he could have, could have come out of the draft. And um, they have some great receivers still: Jamar Chase, Bolitnikoff, winner. Have a solid offensive line, good running backs, deep there. Uh, so Miles Brennan will be surrounded by a good cast, and he'll he'll have a chance to succeed. But you're not going to see the passing game you saw last year. Were you surprised to see LSU rank so high in the country, kind of coming out at number five? Or do you think that with the talent that is returning to Baton Rouge, that they deserve that kind of spot, and that's kind of fitting for what we'll see? I think five was about where they should be. Um, you know, the the teams higher than them, uh, Clemson, you know, has its quarterback coming back. Alabama has a quarterback who started a little bit last year. So they're a little bit stronger at that position. But the talent throughout the roster after quarterback is why the shoe is, is still is, is number five. I mean, it's still a very talented team, uh, particularly on defense. Gotcha. And just when, when it comes when it comes to you know being coached by Ed, Ed, Ed Orgeron, you know, do you think this team, last year just it, it, it was a one year kind of fluke, or do you think that even some of what we saw last year defensively can return for this team, or or what? Well, I wouldn't say it was a one year fluke. I mean, I, I would say that the passing offense may be something that you won't see for a while. So I guess you could define that as a as a fluke. Uh, but, you know, the program still has been growing for the last couple of years. I mean, they won 10 games a year before last. were very good on defense. They've, they've pretty much always been good on, good on defense, and that's still there. And that season they had last year has led to better quarterback recruiting but you won't see those guys coming into the program until 2021-22. But I I still believe this team has enough talent to contend in the West and in the SEC for a championship, but you won't see them blowing everybody out like they did last season. Right, right. There there won't be the college national semifinal where essentially Oklahoma looks like a JV team compared to the varsity of LSU. You're saying that's probably not going to happen again this year. Yeah, exactly. And really, Alabama, the LSU really should have beat Alabama by more than they did. And, and you know, Clemson played them close for a little while, but, but in the end, that was a blowout as well. So, um, you know, LSU could have been a grade lower than they were last year and still won the national championship. Uh, so I, I think they're a couple of grades lower than, than uh, right now than they were last season. But I still think they can be in that two-loss maximum area and, and contend. So it's safe to say if the game does happen, LSU will probably be probably be favored by at least 10, if not 14, over Missouri at that time, you would think. Yeah, I would think so. Um, you know, depending on when the, when the game is, uh, you know, the dates of all the games aren't going to be released for, for a couple of weeks. And, and, um, but I, I would, I would say no more than 10, you know, probably be between seven and 10, um, uh, and it is amazing, as you were saying earlier, you know, people are so excited about this announcement of two games, and, and we may never get to these two games. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, there's no telling what, how many 
forfeitures, how many postponements there may be because of COVID. Yeah, it, 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 it's very odd, and, and I appreciate your time, Glenn. One final question for you. I know we, we, we've added LSU and Alabama, but, but talking more so that you're a, a Mizzou grad, kind of, kind of walk us back through what the Mizzou experience was like for you back then, and when you get to back visit, what, what's, what's the go-to restaurant, or what's the thing you do when you come back to Columbia? Well, you know, I, I went, I drove through Columbia the last time LSU went to Omaha for the World Series in uh, 2017, and I stopped at the uh, Heidelberg, and uh, I go to Harpo's uh, when I go through town. I've been through town probably a, a few times, uh, but, uh, you know, the Heidelberg was a big place when I was there. I was there from 80 to 83, and, uh, you know, it's right across the street from the uh, journalism school, and uh, I worked at KCOU, the student radio station as well, and, and the Missourian. But I had a blast, man. I mean, you know, I probably had too much fun because I, I, uh, my grades weren't, weren't that good. I, I was kind of spreading myself uh, too thin. But uh, just a fun place to go to school and, and, uh, and a great school. And in the athletics at the time was, was very good. I mean, St- Steve Stepanovich was, was there, the, the great Missouri basketball team that was number one. A while with John Sunvold and, and Norm Stewart, you know, it was it was great times. Very cool. Once again, that was Glenn Gilbo from the uh, USA Today Network. Are, are, are you technically right for I guess the Lafayette paper, which is a Gannett property, or are you kind of just gone somewhere? Right, right, right. I, I, no, I live in Baton Rouge, and uh, I, I work for all the papers in the state. But the main office is the Lafayette Advertiser. Of course, we have the Shreveport Times, Monroe, and and now we're in into a South Region directorship with uh, the Nashville Tennessean. So uh, we're all connected now with uh, covering the SEC teams, uh, and you can you can get it at um, LSU Beat Tweet is my Twitter, or uh, theadvertiser.com or usatoday.com. Yep, and the Tribune is the Mizzou kind of representative on that USA Today Network, as Glenn just mentioned. So, uh, Glenn, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll catch up with you, I'm sure, before the, uh, if the, hopefully the game takes place this fall, we'll catch up with you again then. Okay. Thanks, guys. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. And thank you once again for Glenn for joining us. Gave us some great perspective if that Zoo-LSU game does end up taking place uh, sometime in October, November, or September. Uh, but before I forget, the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by our neighborhood Zaxby's today. The oh, Col- man. <laughs> the Columbia location of Zaxby's is actually on North uh, Stadium Drive in North 63, I think. Justin, do they have Zaxby's down in the plains? Oh, oh we've got it. Kicking kick, kick chicken sandwich. Uh, we're all about it. Get a house salad. Uh, we're all in there. You, you know what? I think it's a secret menu item, but you can request salad with, like, buffalo chicken. 
you can make that happen if you ask nicely. I, I, I don't I don't want you to like give away all the all the secrets here, Justin. But it sounds so that's like a, that's a secret. That's peel, that's peeling the curtain back right there. That's some MacGyver type stuff right there. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, we're into uh, you know I'm in I like spicy stuff. So there you go. So yeah, if you ask them, they'll put they'll put buffalo chicken on there. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, Justin was a big fan of Taco <laughs> Bell. I remember from Ode- from Odessa, and and def- definitely knows what he's talking about with maneuvering that stuff. He he knows more than I do in that way. Absolutely. <laughs> but but uh, can get back to college football. Unless you want to make fun of me some more, Justin, I'm cool with that too. Because I'm sure you have more memories of me than most. But um, we'll we'll, we'll keep those off the record. All right, cool. But anyway, uh, coming back now to uh, the. Just talk about whether we're going to have a season with coronavirus. I mean, the, today we're recording this on Saturday. I recorded my interview with Glenn yesterday, like within the hour of them announcing the American Idol style of them, just drawing out something that could take in 30 seconds, I mean, sure. like 10 minutes. Um, just kind of – I recorded with Glenn within the hour of that, but t- we're recording this on August 8th this on Saturday. So today mm-hmm. the MAC canceled fall football, hopefully right. spring. What's that domino effect you think is going to look like, Justin, and – do you think we're going to have a season? Well, I've given up trying to predict it uh, some, sometime in March because, I mean, you know, it was hard to believe then. Uh, <laughs> it, it just keeps going. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be really hard. I understand why they're planning. I understand why they pulled these two names out of the hat and did this this thing, you know, to add conference games to try to play this 10-game schedule because you have to prepare for it. You can't get caught up in a I don't know. You have to prepare. You can't mess around and get not get to October and say, hey, I wish we had a plan right now if things were to suddenly shift. Um, but that's another big if. Um, I understand that they're trying to keep the lights on. You're trying to have a season at all costs to, you know, to keep to keep this thing rolling uh, for future future athletes and future generations. I understand all that. Um, but it is hard. Uh, I think one of the things you'll hear a lot of the the decision makers talking about whether it's you know the NCAA or the SEC is uh you know it's you've got to be in an environment uh a lot of it's out of their control so I'm trying to say you know you're trying to be in an environment where a surge wouldn't cripple your local hospital you know what I mean you're trying to be in an environment where uh cases are low where you are um so no matter how well these teams bubble or or do what they do it, it could be out of their hands, which is kind of the grim reality of that. Um, I don't know. I wonder. I do wonder. Um, I don't know anything, but I'll wonder if uh, and it, nobody knows anything. But I'll wonder if at what point do you kind of decide, OK, this season isn't really worth having in the fall, this half season, this, this drastic measure season. At what point do we pack it in and try to do a more fuller season starting in February in the spring? That's a question I would wonder. Um, you know, what would you want to have? Would you want to try just to cancel it now, or would you try to actually? Or you know, if, you, if you're afraid you can only get so many games in now, um, do you just pack it in and say, "Hey, let's try to get all ten in starting in March"? You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder. I wonder at what point do we get to that part of you know discussing possibilities? And kind of the, the kind of the battle at play here is. Do we have the college football season as planned right now, or do we end kind of the fact that, that these players are really amateurs? Because if we're prodding them out there with all these health concerns, that kind of has to go away. No, I, I know. The language, the language has changed. The, the curtain has been pulled back, I feel like. 
Yeah, and one other concern is I, I know that, and just just from just from being at these practices and being around these athletes, even these kids who are like kind of you know still on scholarship, these are amazing athletes that that are amazing. But I think even two football seasons, one starting in February, March, ending May or June, and then having another one ramp up in August, what is that going to do just to their bodies? I mean, it's you're right. Meat and bones yeah. left. I mean, just. You know, just I don't. I I really don't know the answer to that, and I wish I had the answer to that because I would right. like to start planning a road trip to Baton Rouge. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I I don't know what that whether I even need to get, you know start going you know through. I think it takes us actually directly through Memphis to go there, but I don't know where that would all go. Just you know, right. it's just all of all of that's kind of still up in the air, and whether or not there is a football season i think that some of the language we've seen from how players are acting and how the ncaa is kind of monitoring that i don't think it's ever going to go back to the way the way it was in 2019 like at the end of the day no. the powers are the, the players are going to have more power to create this process going forward sure i mean we've peeled the curtain back and we're, we're admitting that it's about money and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's this you know, evil, manipulative situation. I mean, like we're talking about, you know, I understand some people are trying to get a season played so that this whole thing doesn't fall apart. You know, you're trying to keep it going. You're trying to keep the the good things that, you know, sports at that level create going on for future generations. I understand that. But at the same time, even though you're saying that, even though you got a noble cause or whatever, uh, you're still saying, hey, it's about money. And I mean, you're saying there there were people openly saying, okay, well, no one should come back to campus but the athletes. It's like, what are you talking about? You can't that that doesn't fit the bill of what we've been doing all the way up to this point. So we either got to change that or, you know what I mean? Or, you know, take some concessions on, on the lengths that you're willing to go to to bubble and, and the risk you're kind of willing to take. Um it's all our risk assessment, I guess. Can, can you paint the picture for us, Justin, of kind of what the talk of COVID's been like in Auburn, Alabama? I mean, at the end of the day, you kind of hear from around, oh, the country, around the country that Mizzou is the outsider in the SEC and we're more like a Big Ten school or whatever. Sure. But, but so how has the talk been at the diehard schools? Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's a difficult question. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I think it's divisive. I think there's a lot of people who want um, to open s- schools and try to have everything going. There's a lot of people who like to deny what the doctors and uh, scientists are saying, which is a little bit frustrating. Um, but uh, it's tricky. As of right now, um, we're still playing high school football here soon. Uh, we've had schools who've delayed the start first day of school until late September, but they're saying they're still going to play, you know, week one, week two games in early September for, as far as football. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, and it's, it's, I guess it's just like anywhere else. It's kicking the can down the road and it's uh, passing the buck to somebody else. Cause everyone here loves football, man. In a way that uh, it's almost, you know, this is almost kind of a dangerous side effect um, where we're, we're in a position to where nobody wants to be the person to cancel football. And in, in the state of Alabama, it's the only thing the state of Alabama does right is football. And everyone knows that. And it's, a, and everyone loves it here. So we got a rivalry. Everybody's poison trees over it. Uh, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and but no, everyone loves football here. There's no denying it. But nobody wants to be. It kicks from the athletic department to the school president to the governor to the governor deferring to local health officials. The local hospital doesn't want to be the bad guy. Doesn't want to say y'all can't play football. Nobody wants to be the bad guy and and say that right. And it's it's. I don't know. It's difficult, and this like Auburn University, as far as going to school, not not necessarily athletics. They keep kicking it to the governor, and they're like, "We're going by the latest orders." And then the governor is like, "I can't tell the schools what to do." You know what I mean? Because nobody wants to be the bad guy, and that's the mess we're in down here. Maybe maybe that's um, I would think there's a hint of that everywhere, but um, I, I think maybe if, if you're asking about what it's like in Alabama. That's uh, that's something we've got going on down here because football is literally. I mean, there's there were PSAs back in who knows when with Gus and Nick Saban who were like, "Wear your mask so we can play football." Like it's football is in every corner, every corner of the talk. Uh, is so that's kind of maybe that's unique. Maybe that's not like that everywhere. Um, it, but uh, it definitely is unique because I, I think I remember the, there was an ESPN commercial when I was in high school of like instead of people saying thank you or please they say roll tide. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know if it, it, it's quite that bad, but like, you know, just, just. I was curious. It's because, crazy. Yeah, I mean, in, in Missouri, yes, Missouri's kind of leaving it up. Michigan, which is Missouri's equivalent of the UIL, or you know, I don't know what it's called in Alabama, but the, but the governing body of high school sports. Sure. And they basically said, "You decide on your own. We're going to allow it. Decide on your own." Sure. And then like, the city of St. Louis said, "Nope, we're not doing it because Illinois sure. is not doing it." But Columbia starts high school football practice on Monday. So right. it's right. it's it's a mess up here. It's just a different kind of mess. It sounds like organized yeah. chaos down in Alabama, but here it's <laughs> it's, it's it's just uh, here it, it's a different kind of organized chaos up here because now it's people's kind of figuring out a little bit of just what needs to happen versus the needs of the student athletes. And I think that there might be a little bit more recognition up here of okay, we're not just going to prod these kids out here. And how does right. the university as a whole might seem a little bit more in the focus than it sounds like maybe it is in Alabama? Because I'm not sure how much the conversation is going to be like, well, Auburn's women's soccer players are really going to take the brunt of this. I'm not sure how much of that's going on down there, if any. Don't talk about anything but football. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's at least a little bit of that conversation up here because Mizzou volleyball is supposed to be one of the, Bro. you know, it's, yeah. it's hoping to be in the Sweet 16, if not, maybe even make a that's run just, to the Final that, Four. So that's just Sweet Home Alabama, man. Love it or hate it, that's that's the way it is here. And it's, uh, I'll tell you that, man. It's it's pretty divided, and uh, a lot of hurt people and a lot of hurt feelings. And I understand why all of them are hurt because this sucks. So <laughs> I, I, know, I know people can. Tr- we'll leave it on this. I know people can trust your opinion. It's not just because we're friends. I cover Mizzou. You cover Auburn. But do you think that Mizzou fits in the SEC? And don't be afraid to, you know, just uh, what could Mizzou do to improve or get away from, get get away from those stigmas if you if you don't think that they necessarily improve or or stand uh, here. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think everyone understands why they were at it is getting that that sweet sweet St. Louis TV market. Uh, fast, but fast. yeah, but I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, is that, I, I imagine is that something that there's that's a, there's a concern of, and and it's it's kind of I don't know if Auburn people really care because uh, they're in the East, so they don't play every year. It just seems like but, a common uh, trope when it comes up with Tennessee fans or South Carolina, the East teams who kind of come here. It's like, well, we've been in the league sure. forever. Like that's kind of like when you look at who kicks out the league. It's usually Missouri right. and Vanderbilt are the two names well, that are brought up. 
Well, see, South Carolina, like, they joined in, like, 1992. They don't hardly count. Same as uh, Arkansas. They're kind of the new blood. So I can kind of, I can hear it from, you know, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida. But uh, some of them, South Carolina needs to, needs to step off. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. See, 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 Mizzou fans, you you have a defender who who di- didn't necessarily condemn you, but didn't necessarily say that you didn't belong. I mean, at the end. Hey, of the man! Day, all you all you got to do to fit in the SEC is be really good at football and win, and uh, you're there. And that's the point a lot of Mizzou fans make is that in year two and year three they were in the title game. I believe one of those yes. losses was to Auburn as well. At Gary yes, Pinkle's, in 2013. Gary Pinkle's third, third, uh, third to last year's Mizzou's head coach, and I think they came back at 14 and then got whooped by. That must have been Trent Richardson's last year at Alabama, 2014. Maybe it, that, math, nope. that math's off actually. No, that math's way off. That would have been. Uh, I think it's Alabama though. No, that would have been Derrick Henry. Not yes. That yeah, been, yeah, you think of Derrick Henry. Now, Derek, Trent, Trent Richardson was on the Browns by then. Anyway. All right, well, before we – anything you want to leave us with, any other knowledge? Justin, thank you for so much for doing a great job as this week's co-host. Man, we've, we, we, we did it. Yeah. We did, we did the deal. <laughs> we, 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 used to, we used to have a podcast. I think we recorded on Justin's phone in Odessa with, with Royal McGregor. Shout out to Royal McGregor and Jacob Ford. In the basement of the house. In the basement of our old house. He was recorded on a phone. I don't even know the name of the service. That triple, it was triple option. It was triple option. We just recorded on Audacity. We just put it on a – we were just talking to the laptop. <laughs> right. And it was called the Triple Option Podcast. And, yeah, I remember that. And then uh, Audacity. Now we have all these nice mics, and I'm going to – this with Adobe Audition, like we got like little oh. things going on now with this podcast. And Fancy. With the, we have a whole server that Gannett, you know, uses or former Gatehouse now Gannett uses with Omni. Sure. This should sound a little bit nicer than back in those days, but this has been a great trip down memory lane. Great to catch up with Justin. Anything I, I asked you this before, but anything else you want to leave us with before we uh, hang up for this this week? No, man, we're chilling. Everybody, just be safe, man. Be safe. All right, once again, that was Justin Lee from the Opelika Auburn News. He's always worked for an OA. I learned that today, uh, either Odessa American or Opelika Auburn News. I think his Twitter handle is at by Justin Lee, and then he actually has a Twitter account for just all the Auburn news called AU Blog, correct? That's you as well? Yeah, yeah, AU Blog is our kind of our corporate account. That's our suit and tie account. And then, uh, <laughs> and then my account is where I tweet about Japanese pro wrestling and uh, also stories. But, but mainly Japanese pro wrestling now. You know, mainly that and uh, and uh, vegetable. Uh, I've got so I've got peppers. I've got a uh, dragon cayenne peppers here. Oh, you oh you did continue you, you continued that. Yeah, you used to grow. We continue the tradition. We had yeah. those in uh, in Odessa. Yeah, they're a lot easier to grow here because because this is not a desert. <laughs> that's, that, that's that does sound better. Well, I appreciate Justin, and we'll catch up soon. I'm sure. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.